Heavenly Father, we ask you to send the spirit of your Son into our midst to open our minds to the understanding of the mystery of your Son's presence in our midst and how the Son can take us to you. The spirit we ask for is the spirit that he won for us by his death and resurrection on the cross. Keep us in your love, keep us close to you, and make us one in you. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Welcome to the Theology at the Eucharistic Table podcast with Abbot Jeremy Driscoll and the seminarians at Mount Angel. The voice you heard was that of Abbot Jeremy Driscoll. He is the abbot of Mount Angel Abbey and also the chancellor. Correct. Of Mount Angel Seminary. And one of our professors, professor of introduction to theology and introduction to preaching. He used to teach a lot more before he became abbot, but now that's all he can do. And my name is Nelson, and I'm here with... Brother Israel, monk of Mount Angel Abbey. So Brother Israel and I are going to give you an introduction into this podcast, into this project tell you a little bit about how it came about, and get you started with the first episode. So, Brother Israel, what are we doing? Well, uh, the short answer is a podcast. The we part is kind of important. So you've uh, already heard what could be called the main character, uh, one of the principal voices of the podcast, Abba Jeremy himself, Nelson, you, myself, and... uh, a couple other classmates uh, and seminarians here at Mount Angel who will be joining us. Caleb, Caleb Cunningham. And Ben Downer. That's the we of the doing. And uh, the doing of the we came about, uh, well, we, you know, we found ourselves uh, finding Abba Jeremy outside of class, hoping to continue the conversation uh, th- that we would begin in class with him. And just finding how a lot of his a lot of his teaching provoked a lot of further thought and reflection in us and uh so you know i mean you yourself nelson found yourself with abba jeremy on a number of occasions and that's right i think you mentioned that uh you know a couple times abba jeremy would give you a very beautiful answer and and then stop and say oh we should have recorded that right right <laughs> so often i thought man i want to go back and hear hear this again and also i think i I think everyone should hear this. I think everyone would benefit from hearing this. Yeah. And so that, that was happening again and again. And eventually we, we talked to him and said, well, what if we do start recording these conversations? And so that was the genesis of the project. That was that was its birth, yeah. It's actually one of his mantras in class. Um, we, we studied, uh, we took an introductory course in theology with him where he lays out the vision of our of our theology program here at Mount Angel. And to kind of guide us through uh, through the course, he, we use one of his his own books uh, uh, titled "Theology at the Eucharistic Table." Is that where the title comes from? Well, I, I'm glad you asked, Nelson. Yes, in fact, that's exactly where the title comes from. Uh, we are a very imaginative crew, as you can see. We'll have to edit out our <laughs> cheesy jokes from this. <laughs> no, no, the cheese is good. That's a good reflection of life here. Yes, I yes. Think. Uh, no, you know, one of Abba Jeremy's mantras was, you know, it's like, well, if you have a good title, you know, don't do away with it. You mm-hmm. might as well, you know, 
keep milking it for what it's worth. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, going through his book was very much part of that same mantra. You know, he's already in text said a lot of very uh, well put, concise, theologically packed statements that he wants to lead us through. And uh, well, in class, but then in conversations afterwards and and hopefully in this podcast, we'll continue to unpack some of the riches, the richness of our faith um, from this very specific angle of, of theology at the Eucharistic table. So the, um, the liturgical, uh, sacramental context uh, that we have here at Mount Angel, you know, we we celebrate the Eucharist together. We celebrate the office, the divine office together. And it's because we have that in the background of our lives that then we are able to go into class together and, you know, be classmates in more than a passing way. You know, we just, you know, there's a sense in which we even live together. You know, we eat together. So there's that whole Mount Angel Abbey and Seminary context that's in the background and liturgy is a big part of that. Um, Right. I think uh, that's something that really has been standing out to me when we have sat down to record these first few episodes, these first few conversations, is that it's much more than just the content that he presents, right? We could pick up his book and start reading his book and read the material that he has put on paper, but it's much more than that. It's the community that is forming amongst ourselves that has been forming amongst ourselves for the last two years as we've been living here on the hilltop together and praying together and studying together and relaxing together and having meals together. So that community, within the context of that community, we have these conversations. And the conversations are really interesting and nourishing to us. And hopefully they'll be to to some other people too. Correct. And I I hope they will too. I'm sure they will actually. (laughs) Um no, yeah, and it's it's it's. I, I mean, I don't know. In uh, in the work we've done so far, I think uh, I'm kind of excited to sh- you know to welcome people into this conversation. You know, in mm-hmm. a different way, they'll be hopefully listeners uh, joining us and giving us feedback and and just kind of getting a glimpse into the way seminarians talk when they talk theology and mm-hmm. the way theologians like Abba Jeremy talk when they talk theology to their seminarians. And, right. Uh, you know that glimpse into an aspect of a of our lives as you know either whether it's monks or seminarians, right? Uh, uh, you know that's I'm excited to share that. Yeah, Amen. Well, let's just share one last thing before we close out and let people actually listen to the Reverend Abbott. Oh yeah, the, we did we did say he was the main character. Yes, he is the main <laughs> character. Yes, the he'll show up, people. We promise. Yes. Theology of the Eucharistic Table, the book, follows eight master themes, and we introduced those in the second episode. What happened was we sat down in the first episode to actually (laughs) start with the master themes, but as we were getting ready to start, we found ourselves talking about theology and what is theology and why is it important to study theology. So that's what we did in the first episode. Then in the second, we finally got into the master themes, and then so far we've done episodes three, four, five, and six, and... In other words, they're loosely following the structure of the book, which is these eight mastery themes. But we take lots of leisurely, scenic routes (laughs) to follow the backbone. That's right. Uh, 
we're, you know, we're walking we're walking down the forest and there's a lot of byways and they're all fascinating yes, uh, yes. but they're all worth it it's a big forest and where most of us have been raised in the era of technology and we're very easily distracted <laughs> so we follow every bunny that yeah. runs across the path <laughs> So we don't intend to be super rigid or formal. And on a related note, we're also not audio engineers. So please bear with us as we learn how to turn on our mics and do everything else. But we do want to try to interact with you guys, our audience. Right now, probably an audience of one, my mom. She's probably going to listen in. <laughs> so, you know, I'll, I'll probably tell my mom to at least like, played in the background and she can say that she heard it nice know, yeah, yeah but we'll we'd love to hear from you guys and hear both feedback and also questions qu what questions you'd have for the abbot and on that note shall we well, sign off i think we can sign off all right we'll bring you abbot jeremy driscoll father abbot thank you for being here with us We'll be talking about your book, Theology at the Eucharistic Table, which was published in 2005 by Grace Wing. And you've been using it as a textbook in your classroom, both here at Mount Angel Seminary and during your years teaching at San Anselmo in Rome. My first question to you is, Father Abbott, what is it that you try to accomplish in this book? The first thing is to realize that it's, it's a method for academic theology. And it's a method especially concerned to, uh, to unite all of the various specializations in theology so that you know how much each one weighs and, and how they relate to one another. You remember me saying probably more than once, uh, to say that you study theology is about as accurate as saying you study science. What kind of theology do you study? And and so this is an introductory course to theology that is that wants to talk about what I call all of the master themes that the Theological Academy considers, but to do that in such a way that we can see how they relate to one another and how they, they form a synthetic whole. So the method is a systematic reference to the to various major dimensions of the of the Eucharistic rite, and from the ritual to move into the academy, seeing that, oh, this corresponds to this way or this reality of the church of prayer. So that's, uh, and, and doing that, just like moving through the structure of the Mass, uh, I can find in the Mass, it's, it's there in the structure itself, all of the major themes that theology in the academy considers. And so the way in which the mass works as a whole is the way in which a theological curriculum could be conceived as a whole. So. What do you mean when you say the theological academy? That's the way theologians talk to refer to. Uh, there's, there's a, It's like scholasticism, you know. Uh, that's when theology begins to go into a schoolroom. And, uh, and into the style of being in a lecture hall, listening to lectures, having dialogues, writing books, studying in libraries. You don't need to do that stuff to be a Christian. Uh, that's, that's something else. And there's a lot of, 
there's a lot of theology in just living our Christian lives. But theology in the academy is going to school for what school is good for. And one of the things school's meant to be good for is to pull back from life and think it through systematically. And so that's what we mean when we say theology is faith seeking understanding. It's faith thinking itself through. And uh, so uh, it's, it's organized thought. It's a community of thought. Uh, it's thought that uh, uses the instruments of thought, philosophy, anthropology, language, languages, all that sort of stuff is uh, what you employ in the academy, hopefully to deepen your capacity to think the faith. It's taking, it's taking intellectual responsibility for the faith, and it's taking intellectual responsibility for the position within the faith that I hold. So there's room, for example, for debate within the academy. Um, the debate of, of, of different positions, different theological positions, but one has to be able to, uh, to hold uh, positions with good reason. That's the, as part of the, the rules of an academy. Like if, if you're thinking in a way that's kind of stupid, somebody gets to say so. <laughs> You know, in the academy, uh, it would you, uh, if you wouldn't say that in the same way in a pastoral setting in the church, uh, you know. But in the academy, uh, you know, the game is, hey, everybody's thinking hard here, and if 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 I can help you to think better, I will, and if I disagree with what you're thinking, I get to say so, and that's all done in. A, in a courteous fashion, but it's it's done. It's good, hard, sharp thought, and that's good for the faith. It's good for the church. As a comment, Father, uh, one of the things I think that comes up repeatedly just in this first chapter, as you're laying out the themes, introducing them, and going more at length into some, what, what struck me is that you consistently turn... Um, you consistently show confidence in our in our intellect, in the human intellect. Uh, so, for example, you repeatedly say, rational reflection upon faith is not confined within narrow limits. Uh, as if you're saying, reason somehow doesn't limit what we can say. Obviously, our re- reason is limited. Uh, but several times, you do bring us back to the fact that when we're doing theology, we're engaged at that level of our reason as well. Uh I, I noticed that, I think, because there's always been in the back of my mind uh, some sense of, oh, there's faith, and then there's reason, and they can dialogue, but somehow they're always kind of apart, or more drastically, as if faith would be more pure if we just kept our reason away from it. Uh, so my question is, was it was it your intention to always bring us back to say, this is rational reflection, this is rational reflection? Yeah, for sure. I, I want that because uh, rational reflection is, is 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 humanity at its depth. That I mean, we got brains, uh, and and we're meant to use them. And sometimes around the God question, 
uh, people people check out. I could say they're checking out of intellectual responsibility, and they'll go, "Oh well, it's God. I'm just going to do it with my heart." Well, you know, you, nobody can do life with only the heart. You, you got to you got you've got to use your brain. So, in that sense, uh, theology is meant in the academy is meant to be beautifully speculative. Because that's what you can do uh, with with your brain. That's what reason is. Reason is an instrument given us by God. So, um, but the relationship to faith. There's a couple of ways in which it's related to faith, and, and the great thinkers of our past have, have said that the um, reason uh, faith gives reason a new starting point. So, uh, you know. Like when you guys heard me say things like, you know, our religion doesn't come from getting all the smart people together and having them think hard about God, and then these are the results. Uh, that would be pure a faith with pure reason. You know, that would be an invented religion. Uh, we receive God's action. We receive God's revelation. God takes an initiative, and that initiative of God is received in faith. Uh, faith is the response to God's revelation. But uh, once that is received, once revelation is received from God, reason has a new starting point. Reason doesn't check out because of faith. Reason has brought you far enough to, to make the act of faith and then once you've made the act of faith, then reason works on, as it were, um, the, the, the very stuff of faith. So what I'm using my brain to think about are, are, is the revelation of God itself. Revelation, you know, I'm talking about Jesus come in the flesh, crucified, risen. That's, uh, and, and risen is where faith is required. And uh, when 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 you get to resurrection, but there, the brain doesn't prove that, but the brain grasps the content, and once one believes in it and, and has an encounter with the risen Lord in in your in your own life, uh, what you what you have from that then is new stuff to think about, and. And the more the mind is working well, the, the more it's working according to the rules of good thinking, then so much the better. If we can take a pragmatic turn for a moment in my own life, as I'm going through the day, my mind is usually quite scattered and a deeper study of theology often ends up becoming a lower priority to other aspects of our formation and I'm saying that as a fault. In other words, I slide into that framework. You mentioned that we tend to check out when pursuing these questions about God and about his self-revelation. So my question is, why is it important for us seminarians to really push these theological questions as preparation for the diocesan priesthood, as preparation to be a parish priest? Yeah, all kinds of reasons. Uh, one is... Your people are smart, and they think hard, and they're well-educated. Not all of them, but plenty of them. And they deserve and need from the church uh, in the person of the priest, 
in the person of the leader in the church, they deserve the depth of the theological community of the church. Uh, and if, if, if as seminarians you don't, you don't reach toward that depth in your own study, you will just inevitably give the people less than they deserve and less than they need. And so in that sense, the, the stakes are quite high. You know, you don't have to... It, there's different types of people that become priests. There's, you know, the seminary is full of different types of people. You don't need to necessarily be scholarly type, a, a brainiac or anything like that. But to the best of your own ability, you need to be, to, to be present in front of your people as a thoughtful man who understands the tradition and has put an enormous effort in his life to understand the tradition and think hard about things so that you're prepared to lead your people uh, with, with the wisdom of this tradition. Uh, so that's certainly one place that you need it. But the hard, deep mysteries that theology thinks about are things that you need all the time in your ministry. You, you know, thinking about human suffering, thinking about difficulties in marriage, uh, thinking about how beautiful it is to fall in love, uh, talking about uh, sickness, everything that a, somebody's dying, somebody's born, somebody's getting married. Somebody's sick, somebody's really joyful, somebody's afraid. Uh, theology's thought about all these things. And it's not going to be solved by ideas, but those thoughts are going to let you know what you need in this moment from a treasure chest. What wisdom do you need to pull out at this moment to serve the needs of these people? So the more you know the range of, 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 of thought, the more you're going to be ready just for whatever comes your way. I'm sold. That's <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> so that kind of ties into something that's always been a struggle for me to really relate with uh, people in the parish life. As I go out to my assignments, including parish assignments and such, or even back home in my diocese, just being in my own parish again, you know, when the average person comes up and asks, well, you have four years to study theology? Uh, what are you doing? You know, it's kind of difficult for me to come up with an answer for why theology is so important to a seminarian preparing for life as a parish priest, especially in the eyes of the average parishioner. Uh, yes, certainly we want to be able to speak to the people who are intellectually formed and desire to ever deepen that knowledge. But there's always the saint at the parish, you know, who just, they know how important prayer is, and they're not so concerned with all the rational aspects of it. And perhaps that's what this class should have done for me, to link this better, and it's probably a failing on my own part that I didn't pick it up. But um, anyways, do you have some more thoughts on that? Yeah. Well, I think that... Uh, in the in the life of the church, you have you have different gifts, and people play different roles in the life of the church. And uh, a saint is a special role, you know. Uh, and but often the saint can't stand up and lead. 
uh, of the, you know, the, the, the prayer of the saint is, is, is something very effective. Uh, but uh, how to make the tough decisions that are leading this whole community or how to answer what the church's wisdoms are in various pastoral settings, uh, that, that can't be done by, by, without a systematic effort uh, of exposure to what's there. I, you can use a couple of analogies for people, you know, how could you study for four years, you know? Uh, you can say, that's how long a doctor studies, would you want him to touch you without that? Just uh, <laughs> in, in other words, you know, and it doesn't, you know, the doctor might just be there in front of you today and uh, in a glance uh, touch your throat and say, oh, there's something wrong there. We better look at that. It t- took years for him to know that when you see a lump like that on someone's throat, you better do something that could, you know. Whereas the saint would look at it and say, well, I'll forgive him the lump. I mean, what's it mean? So somebody has to know what it means. And um, I, w- I want to say, you see, a, a priest is a, is a man of the church. And what that means uh, is that the priest it knows the range of the church's treasures and knows how to deliver a lot of that himself or knows that such a range exists, and what's needed here is something that maybe I'm not good at myself, but somewhere in our community, this, this a line of thought uh, into the mystery in this way uh, is known. Maybe another way of putting it is uh, there's the tension between the simplicity of God and the immensity of God uh, is both. God is both. And uh, the reason seeking understanding in complexity of the theological system is responding to the immensity of the mystery of God, which is marvelous. Uh, and at this, you don't want to do it and and get God all complicated in your mind, and you self get complicated with God. But complexity of the mystery that requires a lot of study is is ultimately how best to encounter the simplicity of God, because you've 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 reveled, as it were, in the joy of deep thoughts. And pull back and realize, yeah, but God, simple. But uh, that's a lot different. You know the famous story of St. Thomas, huh? Yeah, after, at, toward the end of his life, and he's praying, and, uh, and uh, he just has this simple insight into the crucified Lord. And, and he just says to him, to the Lord, it's all straw what I've written. But you can't, reverse his life and, and go say, uh, I wish I'd never done all that, thinking. He, it, he, he could only, having done all that thinking, only then is it all straw. It doesn't mean it doesn't matter. It's the straw that got him to that pure glance of simplicity. And, 
And and I would want theology to be that way for you, for you guys. So that it really, it's not, don't think of it as you having a lot of knowledge to dish out. Think of it as you becoming somebody because you've spent a number of years thinking hard, praying hard. But yeah, it's not just it's not just thinking. We're talking about theology here. So you need your whole life. But I'm saying in your whole life, a big piece of it for now needs to be thinking hard. And that makes you somebody. That's why you do it. And not so that you'll know a lot of stuff and no one can trick you, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is what kind of a man do you become? So as we're talking about thinking hard and the idea of study, theology, um, makes me think of the class we had with you as well as your book, um, which structures theology coming from the liturgy from the Eucharist, how that's the beginning of theology, really. And then that study, the formal study in the academy is based off of the liturgy, the structure of the liturgy. But then in that study in the academy, we're able to delve deeper into it, and then it helps us delve deeper into the liturgy. And so it kind of goes back and forth. So my question is, how does the how does that study help us delve deeper into Mass and adoration and the liturgy? And how does that delving deeper into the Mass and adoration to that release relationship with the Eucharist, with Christ, how does that help our study? Yeah. And that's that they, yeah, that I like that question because that's the whole movement that I want. I, uh, I think one of the things that's good about this method is that I'm, I'm in order to introduce you to the theological academy, to the effort of the reason seeking understanding, uh, I'm relying on the experience you already have of the Eucharist. And the experience you already have of the Eucharist is a deep encounter already in your lives with the Word of God, uh, with Jesus uh, in the mystery of his death and resurrection, communion in that mystery, communion with other believers, and the consequences and the strengthening of yourself and the whole community at the Eucharistic table, you already have that experience. So I'm taking your knowledge of that experience, uh, I'm relying on it, and I'm methodically speaking about it in, in an orderly, rational, using my brain kind of way, with the hope, ultimately, that you return to the celebration of the Eucharist more sharply aware and open to the way this ritual is meant to work on you. And uh, so it works on you in this way that, I don't want you like thinking about school when you're praying, but, uh, and it won't hurt a little to do that, but what I, what I want your thinking to have done for you is to prepare you to pray more deeply and to receive more deeply what's happening in the Mass. And uh, I think also just my, my notion of, of trying to use the eight master themes uh, for the synthetic vision of theology, that can be renewed every time uh, you celebrate Eucharist. So that, in a, in a sense, you see it uh, f- 
from start through it all to the finish of Mass, what you have is an experience that hangs together with all of these various parts. And, and so the synthesis of the Academy is deepened in you because the Mass itself has been experienced as a from start to finish coherent Eucharistic ritual celebration. You play that out in the details. Uh, the the master theme of the assembly alerts you to a sensitivity that I'm not here alone. I'm here with many others, and that's that's wonderful. And and every one of us got here by um, a story of grace. I listen to the word of God, and I think of the event character of the proclamation of the word. That that that. That's such a strong reality. And as you keep on going to Mass and celebrating liturgy, you're going to keep on getting that. Oh, that's what he means by the event character. It's here. And then, uh, and so forth, right through all the Master themes. Maybe this is a good place to push pause, and we'll pick up next time with the Master themes. Okay, great. Thank you, guys. This is good. Thank you, bro. Thank you, brother. Well, brother, that was the first episode, the first conversation with Abbot Jeremy. What do you think? Thanks, Pete. We made it through. Yes. And not too many uh, malfunctions of equipment. I said too many, not yes, too many. Yes, we, uh, <laughs> we had a few, but through the miracle of editing, editing, hopefully they don't all show up. Right. I thought you were going to say St. Joseph, through the miracles of St. Joseph, but... St. Joseph is our editor, of he's course. A, he's a carpenter, so this falls within carpentry skills, I think. And St. Joseph is the patron of our project. In fact, we're releasing the podcast on his feast day, March 19th. And we've been praying the seven Sunday devotion over the last seven Sundays. And the whole seminary here has been praying the novena to St. Joseph over the last nine days. So we've been really begging St. Joseph to intercede for us and help us out. So, yeah, I think he has been helping us with the editing, too. Well, uh, thank you all for listening uh, to this first episode. We, we hope you enjoyed it. I certainly enjoyed sitting down to record it. Me, too. Me, too. And uh, I think Ben and Caleb did too. And I think Abba Jeremy did too. We won't ask them though. No, no, we'll just assume it. Right. Ben and Caleb, will, uh, we'll, we'll have more from them in future episodes. Of course, we're talking about Ben Doudna from the Great Diocese of Fairbanks and Caleb Cunningham from the Great Diocese of Baker. And I'm from the Diocese of Boise. And, uh, well, if you have any questions for any of us, you can email us. We actually have an email address. That's how official we are. <laughs> that is theology at mtangel.edu. So theology at mountangel.edu, but mount is just sp spelled MT. So theology at mtangel.edu. And especially if you have a question for the abbot, a question about theology, don't ask us anything about audio or recording because <laughs> we're not going to be able to answer those not a specialty no no we'll just yeah well when you find someone who can answer the question let us know because yes. we have a couple of questions too. Like if you can answer the questions <laughs> give us your address and, but yeah if you have a question for abbot jeremy Goodness. email it to us and you can either write it in an email or you can record some audio 
and um, tell us where you're from and uh, email that to us and we can play it on a future episode. And we also have a website forthcoming. It's in the in the works. Not ready for a press yet. No. But hopefully by the next episode release that will be ready and we'll give you that URL next time. Yeah, so if um, we're really hoping to continue with all of you the conversation we began here uh, in this episode. Um, so if if what you heard today gave you uh, any inspiration any one way, um, if you learned something, if you uh, heard something you already knew phrased in a different way that you found exciting or interesting or confusing, that's the kind of thing we want to hear about. Um, did this help you? You know, did, did you pray a little differently today because of it? Did you love God in a different way because of this? Uh, let us know. That's that's definitely part of what we want to hear. That's that's why we're here, and that's uh, that's what we want to invite you all into as well. And in your prayers, please remember to say a prayer for us, and be sure of our prayers for you. Okay. See you next time. Goodbye. <laughs>